Ah, I hear you. I hear you. Yay. Yay. Okay. <laughs> to Jeff and Amy at the well. This is Amy Slater with Southgate United Methodist Church. And Jeff Slater with Trinity United Methodist, both in Lincoln, Nebraska, because podcasts are global. Uh Uh-huh. Not just local. Okay. And we also have our dear friend and colleague as a special guest, Brenda Hogan. Brenda, tell us where you're coming from. I am from, uh, well, originally Hutchinson is where I met you guys, but right now I'm pastor at Wathena United Methodist Church and Troy United Methodist Church, which are both in Northeast Kansas. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure everybody listening knows exactly where Wathena and Troy are, right? (laughs) I do. (laughs) I remember the first churches I served, Tescott and Culver, and I'm so glad that I do now know where those towns are. (laughs) uh, I'll bet the same is true. Well, let me give a a word of background here. So one of the ideas behind this podcast was that, well, uh, Brenda, I don't know if you know this. We were thinking that in the time of COVID, we can't really do Sunday school like we normally do. And a podcast is a poor substitute for a community for the, the you know the bonds that form in a class but at the same time maybe this would be a way to get the juices flowing get people thinking that was kind of the original idea then we started then i started thinking but oh my goodness i can't write any more stuff every week but for some reason interesting conversations about theology tend to follow me <laughs> uh, so why not just hit record yeah, <laughs> and share them. And when I when I when I had that thought, I was quite literally thinking mostly of the conversations that used to be had at Hutchinson First United Methodist, and quite frankly, probably still are. Uh, but there were uh, uh, three candidates for for uh, ordained ministry that ca- or whatever licensed ordained ministry that came out of that church while I was there. You all had been simmering for a long time. I came along and used my pinky finger to push about this much, <laughs> and that's all. And that's all it really took. Uh, and there were also some other people in the church, like I'm thinking Shirley and I don't know others. Uh, and we used to sit around and have all these theological conversations. So I thought, how great to get one of those in. So. To fill in the story here, Brenda, you are now uh, uh, going to St. Paul's School of Theology. You're in your second year as a pastor or third? Third. Start third. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I know. <laughs> you're, you're like veteran territory here. Uh, you know what you're totally. doing, right? What? You know what you're doing now, right? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. But I'm trying. <laughs> Well, you and I have had emails checking in with each other and uh, from time to time, and you went on what you self-describe as a rant about one of the most challenging authors that I read when I was getting the same degree that you are now. Mm-hmm. Would you share some of that? Yes. Well, it's um, from evangelism class, and we were reading uh, New Begin which, uh, gosh, what is the name of that book? Uh, I have it right here. Pluralistic. Let 
Let me fill in because we have to have proper footnotes. Leslie Newbegin, Leslie, uh, a man, Leslie, mm-hmm. and it's called The Gospel in a Pluralist Society. Yes, yes. And Newbegin is uh, from the 20th century, and he was a missionary in India for like 30 to 35 years. And then after that, he went back to his home country of England and noticed how things had changed while he'd been gone. And he brought this idea of seeing your own environment, your own context as a missionary field. And that um, he talked about how you need to learn the language of not just a foreign language, but the place that you're in, even if it's your own place. Um, so let me let me uh, let me just elaborate here just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like a, a, the the old school way of thinking of missionaries is that you would go to a foreign place, you would learn the language, you would live with the people, you would learn how they live, how they think, like their philosophy. And then you would bring the gospel into that. And there's all sorts of, uh, of blessings and also harms that were done in that process. But his idea was, I don't even understand my own home anymore. What if I use the tools of a missionary to try to understand it and bring the gospel back in? Is that yeah. fair? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And groundbreaking when he did that. Like everyone was mm-hmm. like, what? Missionaries mm-hmm. for, for us? <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was groundbreaking. Yes, and he'd been gone long enough that he could see the shift that had occurred where a lot of people were gradually seeing it and not really seeing it. Um, So that's what he's, you know, really known for. But he also talked a lot about this overview of history. Um, He said that Christianity was um, both a historical religion and and it was bigger than history because, you know, Christ, Jesus, lived at a certain time in history. These events took place at a certain time in history, but it's bigger than just those historical events. And he mentioned that, um, and this was also in, uh, this is not a new idea, I guess, but... Uh, I also had this idea in N.T. Wright's uh, a video that he... Oh, man, you're speaking my language I now. know, I know. <laughs> All our Except favorite Daddy. people. <laughs> Brenda and N.T. Wright, my two favorite theologians. Keep Aww. going. <laughs> <laughs> you're buttering me up. <laughs> uh, N.T. Wright explained it that um, he had a really interesting way of explaining it. This, this idea that Jesus... Um, with the cross and the resurrection is victorious and that in the second coming um, Christ will come back and um, again be victorious and and make all things right and N.T. Wright compared it to these um, uh, Roman Caesars who were like vying for power and they were battling and finally one guy wins out and uh He's the new Caesar, but this huge Roman Empire doesn't know there's a new guy in charge. And so he goes throughout the empire and kind of cleans up skirmishes until he can finally return to Rome. And uh, everybody knows that um, there's a, a new guy in town. 
So he compared that to to Jesus being victorious. Jesus reigns, but not everybody is on board with it yet, and um, that the second coming will be this final uh, act in which um, you know everybody knows and all things are made right. So I, I kind of get that that analogy. That was helpful. Um, but Newbegin says um, that we have this this kind of um, spoiler alert uh, as Christians that even though the world is a hard place to live in, we know that Christ is victorious and that he will return. And so we know how it will end. We know that um, this middle time is is temporary and that um, it will be all okay eventually. Which- and if, if I may interrupt again uh-huh. with an illustration here, I, I worry a little bit. We, the people who listen to this are really smart, but I do kind of worry that we have three seminary <laughs> grad slash seminarians here, and I don't want to leave people in the dust. And I have a good illustration here, so let me share it. Um, what was this? I don't know if you were still at Hutch First or not, but I did a, for an Easter sermon. I went to the library and got a bunch of classic novels like Gone with the Wind uh-huh. and uh, that sort of thing. And throughout my sermon, I read the last line of each one. Uh-huh. I remember that. Like, it was fun. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a, I don't think I finished that one at that church. This church, I probably could. <laughs> but you get the idea, right? Yeah. And the point I was making in the sermon is that, like, do you ever turn to the last page of the book? Uh, and to where you know the ending. The sermon was called Spoiler Alert. Mm, uh, mm. And there is a sense in that that's what Easter is, this Christus Victor kind of thing, uh, where where we know how the story is going to end. But what I didn't do in that sermon was talk about what that means for now, in the middle. Mm-hmm. Still got to read the book. At least, yeah, still got to read the book, right? Even though you know the last page, you're not through the book yet. Well, yeah, it's like... Um in that movie when Harry met Sally, Harry is is kind of morbid. And so whenever he starts a book, he always reads the last page just in case he dies before he finishes the book. <laughs> I don't remember that. I've gotten that part of that movie. Yeah. Is that the movie with the scene at Cat's Yes, Back yes it is. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead. You would, you would remember that part. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I guess, you know, in case we die before Jesus returns, we know uh, what that end uh, of the book is, is, uh, is that idea. Um, I'm sorry, Jeff's still dwelling on the scene at, at Castel Contessant here, just silently <laughs> no, snickering. I just thought to myself, oh gosh, am I really going to say this in a public forum? <laughs> There's a sense in which evangelism is, I'll have, I'll have what she said. <laughs> That's evangelism. Okay, yeah. no, no, no. Oh, good heavens. Okay, theology. Let's go in bad places. Please continue, Brenda. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, get my train. Feel free to share that with Dr. Knight. <laughs> oh, my <Continue>. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, well, you know that... Okay, to go back to that, one of the, the slides that Dr. Knight had on, on his PowerPoint was, and I can't remember which one of the authors, but uh, you can't evangelize unless you're truly uh, enthusiastic about <laughs> what you're evangelizing about. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> but yes, that, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, okay. Um, 
We know uh, we know the beginning of the story with Jesus. We know the end of the story with uh, the second coming. And here we are in the middle. And, and a lot, I had never heard this phrase, I don't think, until I went to seminary, but the already and not yet. So right. Christ is already victorious, and yet we're not yet there because here we are in the middle. Um, and the phrase that Newbegin said that really set me off <laughs> was yeah. um, he said, in this mercy of God, that the final unveiling of his power is held back so that all the nations may have the same opportunity that was given to the first hearers in Galilee, the opportunity to repent, to be converted, and to believe and recognize the presence of the reign of God in the crucified Jesus. So that bothered me because um, there's no end point. If, if God is being merciful so that we can all have this opportunity to freshly turn to Christ, uh, babies are being born every day. Um, when does that end? You know, will they, we stop having uh, a new population until everyone is to the age of reason and can turn to Christ, and then there'll be a second coming? Um, oh gosh, I'm having like memories of Augustine. I think a class in Augustine and the different heresies, and one of those was about in order to 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 get to that point of the second coming, we all have to stop having babies. Yeah, essentially. So there's yeah. no more people that need to repent. Yeah, and just to make sure everybody listening's on board, if it's about giving everyone the chance to turn and i'm thinking the greek word metanoia here like when uh, john the baptist shouts repent repent for the kingdom of god is near metanoia in order for everyone to have the chance to repent how like yeah we'd have to stop having babies mm -hmm. and then everybody would have to have that chance and yeah mm -hmm. there's there's a logical no conclusion there to that the, the goalpost keeps getting moved further yeah. and further out yeah there is no end goal and the early christians we're so in the moment, um, you know, if, if you can help it, don't get married, just stay single. And, you know, they were so convinced that, that Jesus was coming back maybe Thursday, maybe next week, you know, it might be a year from now, but they, they were convinced it would be soon. Right. And um, I feel like, well, okay, here's what I said in class. And, um, and the professor popped in right about that time, and I felt like an. Um, These are like Zoom Zoom yes, breakout groups, Zoom right? Breakout. And, and then he just pops yeah. in. <laughs> um, so you can't just you know see the professor walk in the door. He's just suddenly this little square on your screen. But uh, <laughs> I said that it reminded me this whole um, making excuses for why it's not happening reminded me of Linus in the pumpkin patch, talking about how wonderful it will be when the great pumpkin shows up. And mm. he just sits there and he misses out on all the fun of the parties and everything because he's waiting for this great pumpkin and eventually he's all cold and has to be brought back into the house. And the great pumpkin doesn't come. <laughs> um, mm. So so here, here we are waiting for Christ's return. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're getting cold. Yeah, well, 
and and I guess my my thinking is um, my my theology needs to be practical. Um, I complain about some. Uh, I complain a lot, <laughs> but some of my thoughts are theology can easily slip into the uh, the realm of how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. Mm-hmm. Really, does this pertain to my everyday life? Do I? That's a that's a famous medieval discussion yeah. that reportedly actually happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thus leading to who gives a you know what? It, it's yeah. theoretical. It is um, in the realm of uh, your headspace, and and although you know some of those conversations are interesting, and I can get down a rabbit hole with them. Um, it doesn't help me right now. And maybe Newbegin thought it would help for us to know the end of the story. Um, and I suppose it can to know, you know, hey, it will all be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. But <sighs> what's he waiting for? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what is he waiting for? Um, this year, 2020 has been hard for everyone it's been the hardest year of my life for a lot of reasons and so my shoot i've been a pastor 16 years and i i had to go on anxiety meds trying to lead during this time yeah well okay that's a little oversimplification but the point stands mm-hmm. it, <laughs> it's a hard time. it is hard and um so the already and not yet um, doesn't really speak to me as being helpful. Um, what speaks to me as helpful is the incarnation um, and the Holy Spirit. So explain explain incarnation to um, the people. Listening. The incarnation what is mean? is what we call that that um, reality that Jesus came to Earth that God came to earth in the flesh to be among his creation, to be with us, to suffer um, a human life. I mean, he had a, he had a hard death. Um, he said to his disciples that the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. He, he lived a hard life, and um, yet it was a joyful life, and he, he came to help us live our hard lives and that's what helps me that and also the the holy spirit being a a present help being um available to us in this hard life and and this idea that um that someday christ will come again might be helpful to some people and i'm glad but to me, it seems a little bit, um, and this, gosh, how much, how many people listen to this podcast? <laughs> um, Dozens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm just going to have a conversation like I do in seminary and pretend like I'm not a pastor. And I hope none of my. That's exactly what we're all about okay. here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it reminds me somewhat of of the uh, Oliver Twists or the Annies or whatever in the orphanage in which they're like, 
Yeah, my mom and dad are actually rich, and uh, they we got lost, and they're still looking for me, and someday they'll find me, and, and they'll take me out of this place. The sun will come out. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow. I started too high, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what do we do today then? Yeah, if the sun will come out tomorrow, what does that mean yeah, for the day? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, Jeff, didn't you have a class? I remember you had a class on on Pauline theology, and one of the authors, I think it was Boltmann, who who talked about Paul proposed the idea of oh, good holy heavens. Yeah, when when that the second coming happens whenever the gospel is preached whenever yeah. the word is spoken yeah let me set this up a little bit and and let me let me point out that i'm not sure how many would agree with him uh but he did make his case rather strongly that why does the second coming necessarily have to be literal i mean we have this image what is it in revelation of jesus coming in the clouds yeah. mm -hmm. and you hear that in a lot of uh in a lot of praise music that, that comes from a more literal translation sense mm -hmm. but boltman says that that second coming it isn't necessarily that but that it happens see he's a he's a, a, a old school uh yeah conservative-ish lutheran and they hold the word and preaching very high and after doing this great big buildup, building on what Paul said, he said that the second coming is actually whenever the word is proclaimed, whenever you, whenever you stand in a pulpit and preach the gospel, that is the second coming. Following which our professor, the, uh, the uh, wonderful Warren Carter, looks up at the class and says, so how many of you are preaching this Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> and we all kind of timidly raised our hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that reminds me of another thing I, I ranted about in that, in that uh, email. That maybe, um, yeah, maybe the second coming isn't this, this grand coming in on the, the clouds, but uh, maybe it is, you know, does it happen when we die? Um, that's when we we see the glory and understand the bigger picture uh, of of just what it is God's up to. Um, or one another another argument you could make would be the least of these passage mm -hmm. that whatever you do for the least of these you do it for me. So perhaps there is an element of I, I'm I'm hesitant to my own theology. I'm hesitant to say second coming, but perhaps there is an element of 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 presence of, of incarnation. Yeah, one and a half coming incarnation that happens in everyone who is poor that we care for and everyone who is thirsty and everyone who is hungry perhaps there's a sense there too yes but then that goes right back to the um this uh, not having a resolution people for two thousand years have um been helping the poor or not helping the poor People have been um, living, you know, faithful lives or not living faithful lives. Um, it just keeps going on. Uh, and so where do, where do those early Christians' expectation that um, things would be made right, this resolution, um, 
And, and you know, it could be that just they're made right in in the moment. But, uh, you know, when you're living in 2020, you just kind of maybe want that great pumpkin to show up and fix it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you take Paul and Peter and all them and you and you bring them uh, bring them to uh, 2020. And, and they they probably recognize the pandemic to be off, uh, to be honest because that sort of thing was way more common back then but they at the same time would they'd be like how many years and he hasn't yeah. come yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, quickly Lord Jesus. And, and really this isn't really. the worst year in human history you know this really is not the worst year in human history um so we've just become lightweights yeah. pretty much yeah right, yeah right I mean, not to, to diminish the, the real suffering that people are experiencing, you know, people who've lost family members right. and, and uh, income and things. But on a, on a global perspective, there's been more challenging times, you know, the plague and, and all that. Oh, lots and lots of other things. I did. A, I'm, uh, I'm preaching on the pandemic here in a couple of weeks. Uh, what? Um, 25th, I think, for any Trinity folks who hear this. <laughs> but uh, I, I looked up, uh, there's a whole category of plague saints. Like mm. I, was, I thought I'd see if I could find stories of saints of the past who lived through plagues. And I actually found one uh, blog post that said the problem with that is that there are so many of them that none really stand out. <laughs> Mm. Like there's so there's a whole category of plague saints mm-hmm. during the bubonic plague. I think it was there was a group of fourteen saints. Thirteen out of fourteen were martyred wow. in their attempts to make things better in a plague. Mm. Um, you know that's uh, that's worse. That's telling mm-hmm. right there. Though. Yeah. So. Well, okay, we, we, we're kind of wandering away from the top. Brenda, I want to throw something at okay. you, okay? This, if, if, uh, um, if, if I were your professor, here's what I might say. Well, actually, the first thing I'd say is you understand Newbigin well. You know, the, the, some people try to argue against books they disagree with too early, uh, but you clearly understand it well. But I, I want to offer you another metaphor and see how it strikes you. And this one is from N.T. Wright. It's one of my favorites, and it's that of the cathedral builder. And it's that uh, the the great medieval Gothic cathedrals took hundreds of years to build. And we recently saw uh, Notre Dame Mm, burn. Yeah. It was Mm -hmm. terrible. And it's also a reminder that even after hundreds and hundreds of years, it's still not done. I mean, the steeple, when it fell, people were saying, oh, the steeple. And then they're like, oh, well, that only goes back to the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's still being built. So um, uh, uh, what N.T. Wright says is that the kingdom of God is like building a cathedral. That uh, The individual workers lay their stones, and they know that they will likely not live to see the completion of the cathedral. Their kids, their grandkids, they hope they might, but even then they may not live to see the completion of the cathedral. And they may not understand why a certain stone juts out the way it does. They may not understand why the gargoyle they're carving, where it will sit in the final project. But they know that there is a plan and that there is a direction that it's headed. Uh, and each stone and the work of the of the lane and of the blessing is 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 benefited by that. How does that strike you? I like that. Um, 
it still leaves it a little open ended because here Notre Dame is apparently not done yet. Mm-hmm. Is a cathedral ever done? Yeah. I don't know. It's a thinker, mm-hmm. isn't it? I'm trying not to put you on the spot by letting it be quiet for too long. <laughs> well, I like that idea because, um, again, that that worker can be totally focused on the carving that um, that they're working on, and can have a, a certain amount of satisfaction in completing that part of it knowing that it is part of a larger whole that they're not necessarily in charge of. Yeah, that's what I like about that, too. There, there are aspects of it that they get to enjoy now, too. They get to see the work that they're doing in the little bits. They get to see the little bits that the other craftspeople are, are doing. Oh, who are we kidding? Craftsmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they still get to see glimpses of that. Stay out of that. And, Sorry. you know, we talk about, with, you know, seeing glimpses of the kingdom of heaven here and having eyes to see that. And, you know, part of building that cathedral is having eyes to, to see the potential as well as to enjoy the bits and pieces that are coming to fruition in the moment. What there was, uh, what was that? Ash Wednesday, or maybe it was, maybe it was Easter Vigil. There was some time where, um, um, where um, uh, like priests in in hazmat suits went into Notre Dame and did did mm-hmm. Easter. Mm-hmm. I think it was Easter. It was like the Easter Vigil. It was something mm-hmm. like that. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, and it's this it's this amazing photo of worship happening in the cathedral in hazmat suits in part. Oh, it had to have been Easter because there was also the pandemic mm-hmm. by then. Yeah. Oh, okay. But because the, the air was still unsafe to breathe from all of the smoke and ash even many wow. months later. Oh, that was around Christmas time, wasn't it? So we're talking uh, like it, it, five months later. It something actually like that. Uh, burned down last year, 2019, during Holy Week. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Right. But regardless, you, you get the point, right? There was worship yeah, happening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was happening even though it wasn't complete yet. And, you know, so much of, of spirituality talk, talk of your spiritual journey, emphasizes the journey more than the destination and, and what we pick up and learn along the way. Um, and, and, and so much of meditation and and prayer and things are inviting us to focus on the, on the current moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I sometimes think that, you know, talking of the culmination, the second coming, the consummation of creation and all of this stuff, it's wonderful, it's beautiful, and all right, let's... It's... It's, it's not as uh, applicable to, to what, uh, to where we are as mortals. Yeah. It may be more important than how many angels can dance on the head of a pen, but it's no more useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I guess I have to say that the, um, the bit of that one uh, quote that I read that bothered me the most, it is in the mercy of God that the final unveiling is held back. Oh. You know, <laughs> uh I just don't like that. I think it's in the mercy of God that he is with us now through the Holy Spirit, through the incarnation, through um, the strength that he gives us, um, not this holding back um, 
That's that's like telling Linus waiting for the great pumpkin that it's good for his yeah. character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. This is really this is this is this hurts me more than it hurts you. This is good mm-hmm. for you. No. God's grace. Mm-hmm. It, it's a Newbigin's Newbigin's for all for all of Newbigin's goodness in other ways. That shows a a small doctrine of grace. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, the, it's it is a fellow who lived in a different era. You know, um, and I suppose that that needing an explanation for it um, was important. But I just don't find that a compelling explanation. Yeah. Wish you'd ordered the other thing at Cat's Delicatessen. <laughs> I don't know. That didn't quite work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Brenda. Do you have a little more time? Could we make this a two-parter? Because I kind of want to talk about the other thing I, uh, that, that I sure. was bring up. I'll hang out. <laughs> Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, Good to have Brenda with us and Amy, as always. We will finish the conversation next week with the thrilling conclusion. Until then, uh, I hope you all will keep sitting in your questions and keep the conversation going.